Hello everyone, Jose Zayas here. And obviously this weekend didn't work out according to our original plan, but look, we all get some extra time to play in snow and or ice and uh, to spend more time at home, which is what everyone's looking for, right? Not really. Well, I hope you're making the most of the situation. The beautiful thing is uh, Jesus said, right? Jesus said to all of us, I will build my church. I'll build it and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, will not win in the end. Uh, church is, it's God's idea and he's the one leading it and guiding it. And so no matter where we find ourselves as we're watching this, we are God's church, God's people uh, together. Well, a big welcome to 26 West Church. If you're just checking us out or are watching online, we normally meet on Sundays and then in community groups all throughout the week in various places and in various sizes. And just this is just a word to you. If you're watching this, uh, on our website on the main page, it is a community group study guide. If you're in one of our groups, obviously you know, download it and have that discussion sometime this week. If not, no big deal. Just download it anyway. Find someone that's watching it with you or will afterwards and, and talk about it. There's something that's massive in our own mind and soul when we hear what God is saying, when we read the scriptures and don't just hear it, but process it and, and talk about it and wrestle with it and interact with it. We can learn, I think, as much, if not more, from one another in conversation about the Bible than what we're doing here, like in a monologue or one way uh, about a text. So make the most of it. And uh, we are wrapping up a short series on what the church is. Church is, and then fill in the blank. And where, where have we been so far? We know uh, that the church is a house, right? Not just any old house. There's a picture in the New Testament from Jesus and his disciples about the church being a temple, the place where God's presence dwells. And we saw that Jesus is the central stone, the cornerstone. Everything rises and falls on him, who he is, what he did in his death and resurrection to bring us to new life, in his teaching to guide us to, to the way we were intended to live, the best way to live ever. And, and on his future, whatever Jesus said is going to happen is now true of us. So, so church is a house. And, and from that, we, we realize it means that my connection to other people really matters. Church isn't a secondary thing because a house requires for the roof to be stable, that the walls would be stable and the doors would be in place to let us in and out and the windows to let in light. You matter, I matter, we matter together. And then the second picture we saw from, from last week is a church is a family. So we're not just a sterile structure. Church isn't a building, although we meet in buildings. Church rather is, is, a, is a body. It's a family, so a family unit where God is our father and we're now brothers and sisters. That's the, the driving metaphor, but also a physical body. You see it, the, the Jesus followers who are writing scripture realize Jesus is the head of the body and we are its members, its parts. And from that, we realized that not every part looks and functions the same way. So in Jesus, God, by his Holy Spirit, is enabling you to be a part of his work. And you're not the whole church. Uh, you're connected to other people with different gifts and different abilities and different passions. And this is a good thing, which, which means being a part of a local church matters 
Because when you're missing and when you're not functioning in the way that God intended for you, it's going to impact. I, I said, like, if you just take and prick my finger, which happened to me a couple of weeks ago with a test to get some blood work, it hurt like for days, but I felt it not just in my finger, all of me hurt every time I touched something. And in the same way, you and I were, were uh, gifted by God and called by God to be interconnected so that we can bring healing and wholeness to one another. We could be there to support one another. And together with the metaphor, Jesus leading us as the head, we can go in the direction so that Jesus as Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want that to happen, right? Well, it happens when we together are seeking direction from Jesus. So, so we're a body. So far, the metaphors have been about connection. But I want us to, to end this, this short series thinking about another metaphor that we get from Jesus and his followers that gives us the other side. So far, house, body, you know, temple, that's all speaks to how we're intertwined, interconnected. But this isn't just about us. And I think sometimes we can get it wrong when we make the church about only those metaphors. I want us to consider this. Uh, church is a field. It's a field. It's not just a, a temple. It's not just a house. It's not just uh, a family. It's not just a body. It's actually something bigger. Uh, the other metaphors speak to, to what's happening inside, you know, the connection between you and me and Jesus's people. But let's remember that God is doing something big in his world. And, and Jesus models to the early disciples. I'm going to look at uh, one passage today that really illustrates how the church is also a field. We're, we're out there being planted together in spaces, not just for the four walls, so to speak, of the house, or not just for the members like, hey, I need you to build me up and, and I'll build you up. It's not just a club, but rather we're, we're put in a space for the field. We're a part of the big thing that God is doing. Okay, where do I get that from? Uh, Matthew's gospel. Look, Matthew, at the end of chapter nine. I've taught on this so many times at our church. So for some of you, it's like, I've heard this before. This happens to be one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. And here's why. Uh, we get from Matthew, who's one of Jesus' closest followers. He's one of the 12. A little bit of the mindset. And the framework, how did Jesus see his mission and work? And what did Jesus do to ensure that the Father's work would be done on earth as it is in heaven? Which, by the way, the church is the extension of the work that Jesus has been doing. We're, we, we don't make up the work, we're continuing the work. What was Jesus's work? Let's just look at it, starting in verse 35. Matthew 9, 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his, and notice the phrase, his harvest field. And then just keep reading chapter 10, verse one, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and, and sickness. Is church 
really necessary? Like is, is, church, is church essential or is it just some, like a, a really good suggestion? Uh, can't just Jesus do his work all by himself? In essence, that's what we're asking. Is, is the church, the God's people together, essential for whatever Jesus wants to do? Well, in one sense, of course, uh, God, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are above all. They're the creators. So of course God can do anything. And in one sense, of course, God doesn't, like he's not needing us as essential to accomplish his plan. He made it all. He rules over all. So of course, in one sense, God can do anything. But let's think about this. Jesus is God come to earth. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything God had been doing. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that I am calling out a people that are, are going to be blessed by the presence of God so that the world would be blessed, all nations. How does Jesus do the Father's work? I'm going to suggest it's through the church. Now, when I say the church, the, the church is, is just being established here because the church is God's people together. And we just read that Jesus calls 12, more than that. But Matthew's focusing on the first group that's going to lead to, and then there's also the 70, and then there's also the crowds. Jesus calls people together and he makes them his disciples. We know, because we talk about that a lot here, that simply means an apprentice, it means a learner. It means it's someone who comes under the authority, the, the teaching, the guidance, uh, the direction of, of the master. And in this case, it's Jesus. So Jesus calls people to himself and then they watch as the, as the father does the work through the son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and by the way, this is, this is the essence of what church is. Uh, Jesus is at the center. Remember, he's the cornerstone, right? Jesus and his teaching is the foundation of the house. So they're not, the, the, the disciples aren't doing anything, saying anything that Jesus hadn't already taught them or shown them. So this is Jesus central. And I think it's a picture of what's to come after the death and the resurrection and ascension of Jesus and the sending of the Holy Spirit. What we're seeing in Matthew is going to happen in mass all around the world in the book of Acts and beyond. But let's just remember that church is a, a field. What, what happened here? Unfortunately, when you read um, our modern Bibles, there are chapter divisions and, and some are good because it's like a new thought. Chapter 10, verse 1, which these came about a thousand years later, the, the actual numbers and chapters. It, it makes you think it's a new thought, but it's not. So let's just read what we call chapter 10, verse 1, which is just an extension of what Matthew just said. Uh, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them his own authority to drive out and to heal, to do what he had been doing. And so Jesus empowers his people. By the way, he's still there doing the work. So this isn't just like a future thing. What Jesus is putting in motion is what the church is always about. It is about the power of God coming into people's lives, the presence of God coming into people's lives. And it happens through his followers who don't do their own thing. No, Jesus is the head of the body. And he authorizes the members, the parts, right, uh, to, to function. 
not just for their own good, not just to build each other up, which is helpful, but to accomplish the field, whatever, whatever God wants to do in the places that they are. And, and it's, it's pretty specific. If you just keep reading down, I'll look at just a few verses, uh, chapter 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out the following instructions. So, so Jesus not only authorizes them, he actually gives them what to do. He says, don't go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Notice verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely given. He goes on and he gives them more instructions. And this is super helpful. What, what Jesus is doing is, is repeating everything that he had done. If you read uh, Matthews eight and nine, um, you see that all the things that he just tells his disciples to do, he had been doing. So the disciples are the learners, the apprentices who are authorized to do. Because if you just read back a few chapters, these are things that Jesus was already accomplishing in people's lives. And he's establishing the framework for his people. His people are going to continue the work. Jesus tells them what to do, gives them the words to speak. So a couple of things of when we think of the church as not just you know, a house and a temple, not just a family where we all get, get together or a body where we all interact. What does it look like for us to be a field out there in where God is working in the world? What, what does that look like? A couple of things I think we see from this passage and we'll just drill them down. They're not, they're not new, but friend, they are worth repeating. Uh, first thing, write it down. Jesus gives us our mission, which is People. Church is about people. Look at verse uh, 35 again. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues uh, where people were assembled, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. I mean, is he proclaiming to a, a, a group of trees? To, to vine? No, these, these are the people. And, and healing every disease and sickness. Well, who had the diseases and the sicknesses? People. Uh, the church has always been, because Jesus has always been about bringing and establishing God's good rule, God's presence, God's love, God's care to people. And we really get it wrong when we make church about anything less than or other than people. It's not just about systems. It's not just about institutions and structures. All those things have their place. In, in the essence, God's people together, which is people, are to be about bringing God's loving good rule and announcing God's invitation to be close to, to people. Now, where, where are they when this happens? Because Jesus gave them instructions that sound a, a little like inclusive, like you could go to these people, but don't go to those people. It seems weird. Well, later at the end of Matthew, he's going to say, go into all the world. But where is Jesus? He's in the north and he's in Galilee. And, and I want you to catch how the setting informs what Jesus is hinting what will come. And in the north, it, it was less Jewish. The further north you went, the more there were non-Jewish people living within these towns. Josephus, who's like a first century Jewish historian, he says that up in the north in Galilee, there were probably 240 plus towns and villages of, of various sizes. So Jesus is out on the outskirts 
in the South, in Jerusalem, is mostly focused on, on, on Jewish people, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you had a lot more eclectic mixed towns and villages the further you went north. So in, in one sense, Jesus is at the edge of where his people live. And, and he models what the church is supposed to be about. He's like on the edge where there's more mixed races and religions and, and understandings and all sorts of uh, views about God and about how to follow him. And Jesus is out there. He's not static. He's not limited. You'd think that Jesus would be sitting, teaching in a synagogue or in the temple, just in Jerusalem, just for God's people. But where is Jesus? Physically, he's out in the north. He's on the edge and he's doing kingdom work. He's bringing God's loving rule to places that others would avoid because it wasn't fully Jewish and, and it was mixed and it was a little risky to live your faith out there. And that's where Jesus is. And I think that's just a picture. Yes, church is about gathering, ecclesia, right? It's the assembly. It's about, it's about us, but it's not just about us. Friend, it's not just about you and me in our living room or sometimes in a building or sometimes with a few people. It's not just about the worship experiences and times of prayer and times of study and just times to get to know you better and build friendship and relationship. It's not just about taking care of each other's needs. All of that is church. But notice where Jesus is. He's out there and he's, he's going, he's, he's moving. Uh, Jesus's mission is, is local, but it's also global. It's, he's pushing the envelope as a Jewish rabbi to go out to these towns and, and then he does say to the disciples at this point, hey, stick to these towns. Don't go outside because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. And there, there was a time and a place for that. But when we look back at this passage, just a reminder, Jesus, when he's living here, he's pushing the envelope of how far, uh, how far he will go to love people. He went where people are. So what do we pick up? We pick up that the church is about going. Jesus went. What can everybody do right now? Everybody can look. In the end, Jesus tells his, his disciples here, as he's out there on the outskirts doing, doing God's work, he says, look, uh, the, the fields, they're like ready and, and I, I pray that God would send more people to continue to do what you've seen me do. Everyone can look. So how do we apply this? Church right now is about every one of us looking for opportunities to love people and in loving them, demonstrate the goodness of God by sharing good news with them and inviting them to become a part of God's loving family. This is our opportunity. And so Jesus' disciples are sent out and they go to towns and, and villages on Jesus' behalf. And in the end, we see in scripture that they, they experience the blessing of obedience and continuing the work of Jesus. All right, Jesus, Jesus is the one who gives us, he gives us the mission. The church's mission is is people. But it is more than that. It's not just about like go and, and do good stuff. Lots of people are doing that. I think the second thing we see is, is Jesus gives us our message. Good news. Notice verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the in synagogues, and then proclaiming, 
letting people know the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom is that, that there is God's good rule. It's possible to live under God's good rule. You don't have to live far from God. He created us. He knows us. And he's provided a pathway to live under his leadership and experience his love and his presence. And Jesus is going everywhere saying, yeah, I know life is hard. Good news. Yeah, I know we have all failed. Good news. Yeah, I know we feel like we're not worthy. Good news. Of course there's brokenness. Good news. News And Jesus's message is crystal clear. Everyone, every one of us can experience life under God's good rule, which leads to healing and wholeness. Does everybody know that? The answer is no. Has everyone heard that? The answer is no. Does everyone believe that? The answer is no. Um, and I think, how does this relate to us? The church is a field we're out there where life is, and we're to be announcing good news. And this means, just like in the body metaphor, it's important that we keep connected, right? Because take a finger off of the hand, not only will it die, but the hand can't function. And in the same way, when the church gets off message, people out there who are looking for good news have a tough time finding it because we're talking about all sorts of things that, listen, listen, there's so much we can talk about. And yes, the gospel influences all of life, right? The good news of God's loving rule in and through Jesus, it affects how we think about the beginning of life and the end of life, relationships in life. It does think about how we live under a rule here on the earth. And there are systems that are more Jesus-like in terms of government and how Things are controlled in terms of education, in terms of all sorts of policies. Yes, yes, I, I, I get that. But friend, Jesus came giving the message that God's presence and God's loving rule has come in him and in him there's life. So, so as a church, we want to be Jesus-saturated, Jesus-centric. And I, I would hope for 26 West, at least if this is your church, that you would almost get tired of hearing us talking about Jesus and his life and his love and what he does, not only through us as an individual, but what he does through us as a group together, because this is our message. And anytime you see the church start talking about other good, important, but secondary things, then what happens is in the end, people may miss the central message, which is good news. And, and notice that Jesus does it in word and deed. I'm not talking about that the church should be just about speaking. It's, it's good news in, in words and in, and in action. Jesus physically touches those who are physically broken and brings real physical healing. Does Jesus still do that kind of thing today? Absolutely, yes. So the church should be the pr- place when anyone is hurting or broken, whether it's in the mind, whether it's in hurts of the soul and what's happened in relationships or whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whatever the need may be, we ought to be the people who actually trust that Jesus wants to do something, not just way in the future, but he wants to break in and bring healing and his presence now. We are the church and we're out. We're in the field so that 
We don't wait for people with areas of brokenness to come. No, we're, we're the goers, right? The mission is go and love and find people and, and give the message uh, of the kingdom and the king. And his name is Jesus. All right. That's why we, we have a phrase here that kind of drives everything. Uh, 26 West Church is about helping people experience life in Jesus. Helping people, well, that's, that's the mission. We are the church. It's all about people, not just in the community, but if they're alive, then we're with and for them and we want to be with them. And, and it's not just our message, it's about in Jesus. But what's the end game? That they would experience life. And that is once in one our way of saying it's about them experiencing the good news of God's loving rule in and through Jesus. All right, the, the next thing I want us to see is that Jesus gives us our motivation. Like why matters? And what's the motivation? Compassion. Uh, church ought to be a place where compassion is central. Where it's not just like Jesus do these things and out of sheer obedience, like we got to do it. No, it's, it's deeper than that. What, what God wants to do in his people is reorient, reorient our why. Why do we do what we do? Because we're motivated not out of guilt oh man, I, I got to make up for what I've done. And now that of sheer obedience, like Jesus is the master and I'm the slave, of, of course he's in charge, but he's not looking for people who are trying to work for his approval. But no, God has given me his heart. And if you know Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit, over time, friend, I hope that you grow in the heart of God. And what's the heart of God? People are broken and he's aware and he is the solution, and he is wholeness, and he is life itself. And he sends his disciples out not to preach their own message, but to tell others about him, Jesus. Compassion. Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people differently. He saw them not as the religious leaders who often overlook these people, but he saw them at the heart. They, they were shepherdless. It's an Old Testament phrase where, where God is, is seen as the shepherd and Israel is seen as the sheep who, and the shepherd loves and cares for. And what Jesus sees is like, man, they're not under God's good rule. They're not living under his care and Jesus wants to bring them close. The word compassion here means to have a deep-seated pity on. When you look at the nature of this very word, it actually comes from the marketplace in their day because there were so many religions, uh, religions and so many, uh, so many offerings that were done in various temples to the gods. And, and the word for compassion speaks to the inner parts. It actually comes from the idea of in, in, in a ritual, eating the innards. We would call it feeling deeply from the gut, wherever the the gut is, right? Not the physical organ, but the deep-seated place when, when you've heard horrible news and you're just moved. You almost like, you ever experience this, whether yourself or you see it in someone else, they heard some news and suddenly they go, oh my, they, you bend over because deep within. And, and Jesus is moved by a deep-seated love for people and a care uh, so here, compassion isn't just this like, it's not just a feeling. Compassion is a verb. Jesus 
moved into action from the inner being to love and care for people. He's moved to action to do something. He's moved to go from town to town. He's moved to touch broken people, not be afraid of them, but come close when other people go away. Jesus is there and says, be healed and hold. Jesus is moved by compassion and, and, and his people ought to be moved as well. What can everyone do? Everyone can care. Uh, and I think in this season, we want to be the church, right? What does that look like in the real world? It means that we actually care, that we're not so overly concerned about our needs. Church is a body. Church is a temple. Church is a house. God's presence. This is all important stuff. But uh, to Jesus, the, the bringing together of the family and, and the whole idea of the temple, it was to be placed out in the field where God is working around the world. So we're not supposed to be so isolated and self-concerned that we lose our care for others. And I, I think we ought to push ourselves in this area. And by the way, if you're one of our community groups, we're, we're asking each community group, especially in this winter session, moving towards the month of March in particular, to, to take what we're hearing about church and put it into action. We're asking all of our leaders to have discussions within the group. And there's some specific um, areas within our city, areas of brokenness that we've seen in, in the refugee community where there are many people who are, who are not being loved as well as they can in Jesus' name. And we want to step into those places. And in an area of homelessness uh, and, and lack of tangible places to live or resources to get out of their space and into a healthy environment, there are some groups within the city that we want to partner with. And you'll hear more about that through your group. My point is, uh, compassion isn't just a feeling and an emotion. It is a verb. It is an action. Jesus moved into doing from his deep inner being out of love for the Father and love for people. He actually made the difference. And we want to be marked by that. I, I'm, I'm less interested as we move forward as a church community in people talking about how great the music is or how, you know, how great the gatherings are or how, how great the space is or how great the good news today, you know, events and the things that we do. I, I just want to be marked by like those people actually care. I don't know, there's something about those people that I want what they want because they genuinely love people in a sacrificial way. This is the way of Jesus, we know it. But this is the heartbeat of what church is supposed to be. And then, okay, so we know these things. Jesus is the one who gives us the mission. Jesus is the one who gives us the message. Jesus is the one who gives us the motivation, the motivation is love and care and concern. What do we do to grow in those areas? Here's a beautiful thing. I don't need to tell you what to do. Jesus already did. Look at verses 37 and 38. And Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask, underline, put a star by it, do whatever. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his Harvest field. Every single one of us can ask. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out. By the way, this isn't just like a, oh, cute little, oh, hey, like I'm going to get on a plane and take a trip. I'm, I'm, I'm sent. The, the word here is almost violent. It means to throw out, to, to ask the Lord who oversees the harvest, to thrust, to, to throw to lead out, you could actually use the same word when Jesus is casting out, exercising out evil spirits. Like it's kind of almost 
violent, right? It's disruptive. <laughs> what Jesus tells his 12 disciples, you ask, by the way, I already called you. I already brought you to myself. I already gave you the message. I already gave you the scope of the mission. Uh, I, I've given you my very heartbeat. I've modeled what it means to live by compassion. And now ask the Lord of the harvest to send you out into his field and what can every one of us do? We can all ask. I think it's time for us to push ourselves in a healthy way, not to look down on each other, not to berate each other for what we aren't doing, haven't done, or lack of concern. But I think we want to stir one another up in this season, right? We are the church. To, to, do we have a heart for others? If not, let's ask God to give us his heart. Are we going from a heart for people to actually compassionate action? Are we doing anything about it? What are we doing? What would fuel more of Jesus's heartbeat and work in our world? These things don't, don't happen automatically. We're called, he called the 12. Come on, come on, everyone. Stir together and ask together. And that's why in our community groups, we're just saying this week, ask God for specific people in specific places that he's stirring you to love and serve in Jesus' name and share this good news with. I, I pray that we're all like, it could be to one person. It could be from a whole group if you're watching together, that you all sense in your soul, you know what? This person deserves our love and attention. What are we doing to, in Jesus' name, love and serve this one person? It could be a neighborhood. It could be a workspace. It could be a school in one sense, I can, I can care less about the scope of it as long as it's driven by, by the Spirit of God stirring you to live like Jesus. And if that's to one, that's great. If it's to more, that's great. Everyone, the whole body, the church, the family, everyone does their part. And I'm inviting you to step in and do yours. All right, so as we think this through, and before we go and take the bread and the cup, um, I want us to think about two dimensions because there's always going to be a tension. And hear me, there will always be this tension, healthy tension within the church. We are called to grow together, okay? So when we say that we're called to be out there and we're, we're called to live on the mission of Jesus and we're called to do the works of Jesus, that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to have interrelated body life. Your growth matters. As a matter of fact, Jesus is walking with these disciples, growing them, teaching them, showing them, modeling to them, and then sending them out and bringing them back, teaching them and growing them, modeling, going out, sending them back. Like he, he's, he's, he, their growth matters because they're going to lead the mission and they're going to start the church. It's Jesus' idea, but it's these 12 that are like the foundation for what is now global and all around the world. And so our growth together matters. So your growth matters. And I pray that in this season, you're being stretched to grow. But the other healthy tension is we are called to go together. And, and by the way, the growing is always more attractive and in one sense easier than the going because we feel the difference when we're growing together. We all want to learn. Yeah, I want another this and I want more of that. And I want to dive into that. That's always going to be, it's necessary. It's going to give us the power to go. But let's not forget, we're called to grow together and we're called to go together. We are God's field. Uh, in the New Testament, you see we are God's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal 
through us. We're his representatives of his hope and his healing. We have the good news in our lips. We have the good news in our hands. We want to live it out. And we want to do this together. All right, so so what's the response? I, I think when Jesus took his, his 12 disciples and he was in the upper room getting ready to go to the cross, he, he reminded them uh, of this new agreement that was in his body and his blood. And so if you haven't already done so, why don't you grab uh, some, some juice and a cracker, a, a piece of bread. And what we want to do is remember Jesus. And the angle, I think it makes the most sense to remember him in this week is to remember his mission. Jesus, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we eat and drink, let's remember he is our savior. He's also our teacher. We want to live as the people of God who, who live not to be served, but to now serve in Jesus' name and not sacrifice for sin. Jesus alone does that. But to give our lives in Jesus' name for the good of others that they too would become disciples and grow in the grace of God. So let's, let's remember him today. We are God's field. God's at work in and through us. And as we take, uh, let's remember that we are empowered by Jesus to do whatever he's called us to do. So if you feel weak, great. If you feel unqualified, great. If you feel like, I don't know if I could do this stuff, great. You're the kind of person that Jesus is ready to use because we're taking, we're eating, we're drinking, we're remembering. He's the power. He's the wisdom. He's the life changer, right? And he is in us and we are in him. Today, let's remember Jesus and his mission. Let's remember his message. And let's remember he will enable us to have the right motivation to do his work in our generation. Let's, um, let's pray and by faith together say and commit, we want to be the people of God who live on the mission of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your love and your care. Thank you that you came and died and rose again to make us right with you, remove our sin, give us a new heart, give us a new direction, give us a new future in you. We are sons and daughters. We belong to you, Jesus. Now, as we eat and drink and remember your mission, Lord, we commit ourselves afresh. Lord, we're sentable. We're asking you, send us. Send us even now. Send us even today. Send us even this week. Send us as a church. Lord, open new doors of sending and going that others would know and follow you as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you uh, eat and drink? I'll, I'll do mine in a moment. We want to remind you, um, friend, this isn't a normal gathering, obviously, because we're not in the building together. But uh, part of our worship is to give regularly and generously together. I invite you to click on the button uh, or under if you're watching on YouTube, or you could just simply go to our website. The mission of Jesus is funded by the people of God. Who, who give not out of a grudging heart or a have to. This is such a get to because Jesus has rescued us. We want to help people experience a life in him. And part of the beauty is that whether, whether we go and share someone, a Jesus with someone this week, which I hope you do, or you don't, the church is always sharing the good news of Jesus 
And collectively, as we take these resources, we're always bringing hope and healing in practical ways. We do this by, by pulling resources together and saying, Jesus, use it uh, here and use it around the world. So thank you, friends, for faithfully giving and sacrificing uh, resources so that others would experience life in Jesus. Uh, well, obviously we didn't have music in this uh, and worship in this gathering, um, but I just pray that even in your time today, that the Lord will continue to unfold for you the people and the places where he is sending you uh, together. We love you. And obviously the weather will be better uh, next week, Lord willing. And we look forward to seeing you, whether in person on our live stream next Sunday.